Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. What's up, soul fam? Welcome to another week of spiritual shit with your host, Alia Lovely. It's so good to be with you this week, especially after I took off last week, and I'm so thankful for your grace and loving kindness for letting me take that week to take a breath to myself and spend some time with my family. It was great, but I have noticed that right now, this month, I'm going through a massive awakening, and I don't know if y'all feel it too, if this month or the beginning of this year has just been a lot of kind of crazy for you. (laughs) Friendships falling off, shifts and perspectives. I've been seeing actually a shit ton of orbs and hearing things and I'm like, all right, is this crazy? (laughs) Or (laughs) is this just me really starting to connect to my more spiritual side again? So who knows? Anyway, I'm going to get my eyes checked out just in case to make sure. (laughs) But besides that, I have a wealth of new offerings um, and things that are going to be kind of fun for you to get involved with. So you don't want to skip the announcements this time. Um, We have Conscious Community, which is free. Um, You can go to lovethisconsciouscommunity.com to be involved in our community with um, mystics and fun, you know, you don't have to be a mystic per se. You can be just curious about spirituality and looking for friendship, looking for connection, looking for someone to answer your questions. And we have a really thriving, beautiful community there. We'd love you to be a part. There are also other tiers that you can join um, to be part of our monthly meditations and our monthly readings or weekly readings and so on. Uh, lots of exciting things to discover there. Patreon also has some new offerings where now um, if you're a part of the $10 tier, you can ask questions for Q&A, but also be entered for the chance to ask your question on air. So me and you get to meet and talk and have your question answered from my perspective or opinion, and we'll air it on that Q&A episode. So join Patreon before, I guess next week, because we'll be doing, I'll be preparing for that um, for the last week this month, if you want to get in on that and be one of the early folks um to be a part of that so cool 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 we also on patreon have an exclusive part two to our podcast uh with humble the poet who's on today we had such an insane conversation during this episode that you're going to hear that we just kept it going in the after show and normally the after show is about 10 to 15 minutes we went another hour and 15 minutes so it's a whole nother podcast we talk about social issues music we talk about the depth and writing and it was just really awesome to talk to him in general. Um, today's episode, we're covering like some things that some concepts in his book, how to be loved. 
And it is a refreshing voice in this space, to be honest, especially when talking about love. Humble doesn't claim to be a guru himself. He's just someone who has a lot of wisdom behind his own experiences. And I kind of really jive with people like that who don't claim that they're the experts, but really give attention and detail to what they've been through and offer it to other people to help them with their journey. So um, we we talked a lot. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, I also have some love readings still available, just a few more. I think I have like 10 more uh, available for this month. So if you would like that, go ahead and go to thelovelyalia.com to book yours. I then also have share your favorite episode this week on Instagram and tag me. Um, this week's winner will win a free reading and that will be announced on next week's episode as well as Instagram. I have a new course coming out called how to launch your podcast in 30 days. So be on the lookout for that. That's coming out in the next couple of weeks. And then last but not least, if you are selling a vintage camper, hit me up. There's a, there's something fun that we're planning to do with that. And it's not traveling. <laughs> well, maybe it might have to do with traveling, but it's going to be involved in a, a cool project that I'm thinking about and I can't talk about yet. So, uh, if that's something you, I'll just put it out in the airwaves just in case if that's how the universe is going to manifest that for our new project. So I think that's it. So let's get right into it. It's a long episode. It's juicy. It's all the things. Um, definitely share it with someone you love when you're done listening and hopefully I'll see you over on Patreon or a conscious community later. Let's go into it right now. Have you ever asked yourself, what is a good life? This is a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. We often get caught up in trying to manifest the perfect life, but are we clear on what that actually is? I bring you my new class, The Good Life Project, how to love the life you have while manifesting the life that you want. This class is the perfect bridge between mindset and manifestation, teaching you how to access deep clarity of what makes a good life for you and anchoring you in a clear framework that makes it easy for you to see what you'd like to manifest for the future. This class covers what is manifestation and dispelling many common myths about it, how to determine your maxims for a good life, how to figure out where you're starting from so you know where to go, how to deepen the clarity of the picture you have for your life, how to identify limiting beliefs and how to overcome them, how to use your growth to get better results and the integration process, how to notice more magic in your life so you start attracting more in it, and identifying the real role manifestation plays in your life and the purpose it serves. I jam-packed this course in a very direct and concise format so you can get real value that could change your mindset and transform your life in under three hours of content. Most people are looking for someone to give them clarity and guidance, and I'm trying to help you find that within yourself. By learning my method, you'll be able to adjust your perspective to what really matters in your life and get laser focused on what you'd like to manifest long-term. You can find out more information at thelovelyalia.com or you can go straight to spiritualshitschool.com and check out the mini courses we offer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aliyah Lovely. And today we have on our show, Humble the Poet, who is a writer, author, poet, uh, words extraordinaire, <laughs> if you will, musician. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. How are you doing? I'm, I'm awesome. We're chilling, living, 
doing the best we can with this weather. We just recently had um, snow come out of nowhere. That's Midwest. So, you know, that's, that's probably, is that not common in Kansas city. It's just like, it was 60 degrees two days ago. So, you know, it's a little uh, abrasive. <laughs> I, I'm also Canadian, so I don't speak Fahrenheit. Ah, there you go. <laughs> or or I'm, I'm also the rest of the world. I don't speak yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, the rest of the world. You know, I didn't come up with the system, so I just yeah. do the best I can. Um, but anyway, it's the it's February, and we are talking about love, and there's lots of people who are trying to figure out what it means to be loved. You have a book out called How to Be Loved, Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to... A better, better life. life. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear, talk about that. We're going to get straight into that. But first, I want to hear a little bit about you. Like you have quite the story and I'm not going to tell it for you um, about how you came into being an artist, but also like how you got these very novel concepts and I would say wisdom bestowed upon you. So if you can talk to our audience a little bit about who you are and how you came to be someone who knows how to be loved. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Toronto, you know, home of Drake and The Weeknd and all these mm-hmm. wonderful people. And while, you know, being there, I, you know, I was growing up, I grew up in a neighborhood called Rexdale. And so Toronto, for those who don't know, is the most multicultural city in the world. Um, over 50% of the population wasn't born in the country. So, you know, we're more multicultural even than New York. Mm-hmm. And I was in a very, very multicultural part of the city. Um, where I grew up and I loved being in school. I loved the experience so much that I got into teaching so I could stay in school. And um, I was teaching and, you know, working with kids in in the same neighborhood that I grew up in. And the school that I taught in had about 80 different languages and um, taught for six years. I never had a Caucasian student, just to give you an example of how multicultural Mm -hmm. it was. And um, just you get you gain a whole bunch of perspectives, you know, and, and culture blendings. And, um, you know, I was babysat by, you know, Caribbean aunties and, you know, went to Trinidad every year for carnival and, and, and did all <laughs> these fun things where it was just everybody was everything. And um, that did a lot to really kind of expand my world in terms of getting me to voluntarily put myself in, in new situations just so we can keep learning. I think I was addicted to learning new things and kind of viewed that as a lifeline. Um, and then once I became a teacher and an adult, you know, you don't have homework at the end of the day, you know, I got into into the city and started going to poetry slams and coffee shops and, and, and all of those things, you know, in the hopes of meeting girls, but, you know, <laughs> using you know, growing up on hip hop, using using my ability to put words together to to perform at spoken word slams and um, you know different hip hop festivals and what have you, and that took a life of its own. And uh, I began making music. I began doing spoken word, and this is in the early days of YouTube, where if you put a video on YouTube, people actually saw it. <laughs> and it was, you know, it took it, it took a life of its own to the point that you know even my students knew, you know, Mr. Singh made music and he swears in his music, but it's cool, and the parents knew it. <laughs> It was just a whole other life, and I would take you know a sick day here or there if I had a gig somewhere, and and, and things were kind of growing. They weren't growing enough where I could quit the job, yeah. but I was getting exposed to a lot of artists and creatives um, who were all in, uh, and eventually that did push me to go all in after spending the summer um, 
in Northern California with an artist and kind of seeing his life. And the analogy I like to use was I felt like I was in the zoo and I met an animal from the jungle. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, your life looks so much more fun. <laughs> um, but not realizing that I was only visiting the jungle and going back into the safety and security of the zoo, um, which I thought was a prison at the time. But it was also, you know, those cages kept me in, but they kept everybody else out. And, mm. you know, my zookeeper was feeding me every two weeks, you know, <laughs> uh, a salary and I was safe. So I was just playing the role of, of an artist um, or I was playing the role of a starving artist, you know, because mm. I had I had money coming in during the summer from my teaching job. Um, and then one yeah, after one summer of doing that, I couldn't go back to, to the job and an opportunity presented itself in songwriting um, from somebody I didn't know very well. And I took his word for it and quit the job and pursued the songwriting gig that was going to pay me more money than I would have made as a teacher for two years. And then you get your first lesson about the music industry, um, <laughs> which I think is uh, lesson number 4,080, everybody's shady, according to, <laughs> you know, according to KRS-One. <laughs> and <clears throat> that situation left me unemployed, in debt, broke, trying to figure out what to do. Also not understanding how artists made money to begin with. You know, I thought you get discovered. And then mm -hmm. somebody puts a bag of money over your head and you're great. Everything's good. <laughs> Everything's good. Yeah. Like American Idol. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, what ended, up, what ended up happening was, you know, that's kind of when the journey really began. And I realized, okay, well, I make music and I don't know how to record my own music. I don't know how to produce my own music. I don't know how to shoot a video. I don't know how to do any of these things. And it was a friend that kind of challenged me to say, well, focus on what you can do. And I'm like, the only thing I can do is write. And she said, so write, just write as much as you can. So I began, you know, this is 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. I began blogging, not vlogging, blogging. Blogging when it was still a thing. <laughs> when it was still a thing. I think it's coming back. It's coming back, Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I began writing every single day, just anything that inspired me and just from off the top uh, and putting it on Facebook. And all of a sudden... You know, my my audience grew much quicker than it did with the music because I wasn't dropping something once every six months or, or whatever. Yeah. And also just having it in black and white, you know, versus trying to decipher it in lyrics, I think made it a lot clearer. And I was literally processing all the things I had gone through, um, you know, with the, the lessons I had learned leaving the zoo to live in the jungle and realizing the jungle isn't it is free, but is it it's not a it's not, not safe. safe. <laughs> it's not safe yeah and I was super green and I was super soft and um you know I was almost my bubbles had burst and and now I was realizing what it meant to be in the jungle and um I began writing and uh I wrote every every day for well over a year and the comments that we're getting were like wow you know it's like you live in my head and then mm -hmm. the next comment I got was you should write a book and um I think I replied to the comment being like I don't know how to write a book and then, you know, <clears throat> I have a very uh, healthy but cheeky relationship with my audience. And so they instantly send me how to write a book articles, and, <laughs> you know, and then how to write a book me, for dummies. <laughs> yeah. How to write a book for dummies. And then also it just it, it, the, the breadcrumbs started to appear. And then a friend um, sat me down and taught me Adobe InDesign. His business was like making flyers and signs for companies and you know, he would make displays for like Home Depot and he knew how to use Adobe InDesign. He's like, yeah, this is how you build a book. And he showed me how to build a book. And I used the content that I wrote on that Facebook blog for the year, you know, and I literally just took took the stuff that had the most likes and put it together, <laughs> called it a book. 
and that was my first book on learning. I self-published it and I crowdfunded it. And 305 people gave me $26,000 to, to, to release the book. And I used that money to um, build the book and, and, and ship it out. And uh, it, it was the beginning of the journey. And then, you know, more cool opportunities continued to happen. But the book remained. And I remember doing a show in Vancouver, Canada, where 100% of the audience was female. And they didn't know I made music. And they had come for the book. They thought they were coming for huh. a book reading. <laughs> and yeah it was a really it was an eye-opener mm-hmm. and um so i leaned a little bit more into the book and then as other opportunities continued to come um there's a really big bookstore in canada called indigo which is mm-hmm. like the equivalent of barnes and noble yeah and um they licensed out the book so they kind of put it into their their retail system and then it instantly became a bestseller and then off of that and i, I was spending a lot of time in los angeles at that point um, I got a literary agent and then they got the book signed with HarperCollins. Mm. And then I was in the major publication system at that point. And the book did really well um, throughout that journey. So I had released the book independently in 2014, 2015, 2014. And uh, it released with the majors in 2019. So mm-hmm. I had a five-year journey. And then after that, I, I, I signed a two-book deal with them, released the book, had a great relationship with Harper. And then... Um, moved over to Hay House, which is famously started by Louise Hayes and mm-hmm. um, it's known for having Wayne Dyer. Yep. Um, and they they focus specifically on wellness and spirituality yeah. and growth. So I got plugged into that community and um, wrote this new book about love and everything I write about, you know, the first book is called Unlearn. That's kind of the theme of everything I do because this, I realize a lot of the reasons things aren't working out for me or or, or I'm struggling is because I have these ideas already programmed into my mind about how things need to be yeah and they they never are and i have to unlearn those ideas i have to unlearn those expectations so it's really about letting go to gain more and um this new book how to be loved it's 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 no different it's inspired by my perceived failures in the world of love trying to figure out realizing that like i know there's a lot of love in my life i know this partner who i was with and just broke up with loved me dearly and you know without condition and i have family members and friends who all love me so much but i felt alone i felt isolated i felt like i wasn't able to receive it and you know writing this book was the beginning of that journey to kind of figure out what that was and i think Mm. the big idea i realized was all the protective layers and walls i built up to protect myself um really weren't protecting me they were just serving as a prison to keep Mm. everybody else out and further isolating me and not allowing me to develop real connections with people because real connections require vulnerability yeah and I was you know as a a young man subtly signaled not to be vulnerable because vulnerability is a weakness right it took a long time for me to look at it the other way which is that vulnerability is actually a strength yeah probably the most important currency you have uh, to connect with other people and relationships are the most important thing you can have on this planet well, amen to that because like I know a lot of people who are listening can really resonate with that. They're not just romantic relationships, but relationships in general and how do we receive love and what does that look like, especially in a world that prioritizes perfection. Mm-hmm. And so where you have here and your even your in your tagline, which I love, you said something in an interview. I saw I watched all of them. <laughs> um, my favorite interview was with the one you had with Jay Shetty, because they all seem mm-hmm. to have a real relationship there and seem really open, but perfect 
is the last place love exists. And that smacked me in the face because it's something that I identify really well with, but um, the idea of vulnerability and how people have modified it in a way that makes it feel like it's a weakness, particularly um, with our male audience as well, and not feeling like they can open themselves up in that way. It's not just with male or with non-binary and with our feminine as well. Can you explain that and expand on that comment? Because when you were in the really juicy part of the conversation and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start off my interview with that question. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect is the last place love exists. Why do you think that's so? Because um, if somebody was perfect, then they wouldn't be able to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is the only way to build a pathway for love to exist. And I think a lot of the choices we make are to avoid getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to go back and just pay attention to the history of our own lives. Protecting yourself from getting hurt rarely works. You know, if there's a yeah. conflict with your partner and you're trying your best to avoid a fight, that's probably what's going to guarantee the fight. <laughs> um, it, it does. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I get it. Being vulnerable is literally giving somebody something that can hurt you. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here is a secret. Here is a, here's an Achilles heel. Here is a, here is something about me that if you chose to, you could really damage me with. And I don't want to tell you that I really like you because you may not like me back. I don't want to tell you that I'm insecure because you may use that against me, you know? So we protect ourselves. We protect ourselves by shutting down. We protect ourselves by wearing masks and pretending to be something that we're not. Um, we protect ourselves by acting tough. We we protect ourselves by all of these things, but they don't last mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. And we think if we give this impression that nothing bothers us and everything is perfect and everything is great, that we, we give off this, this air of perfection. And again, perfection doesn't exist, but we, we constantly think we see it. You know, we mm-hmm. see it on people with Instagram, with the filters. We see it, uh, you know, watching our favorite athletes take do amazing things and, and you know accomplish these superhuman feats but a lot of that still comes from practice and they're not perfect and mm-hmm. they never claim to be perfect you know michael jordan misses more shots than he makes and that doesn't take away from his goat status so chasing perfection expecting perfection in itself isn't where love is going to be love is going to be embracing the imperfections and when we think about the people we love and I think this disconnect is what I'm realizing in a lot of the interviews I've been doing is we're cool with embracing the imperfections of a sibling. We're cool with embracing the imperfections of a parent, uh, even of a best friend, somebody that we grew up with, somebody that we established a deep relationship. We're cool with that. But then when it comes to dating, we're like, no, like everything's got to be on point. Everything's got to yeah. be perfect. Even though you know what you're really working towards with that person is to be on the couch wearing sweats not being <laughs> you know being being your grossest self you know what yeah, i mean like yeah <laughs> that's actually the success of the relationship we yeah. ain't got to be outside no more right? <laughs> comfort yeah comfort and where you feel that they see you and accept you as you are and yeah. you feel and see and accept them as they are and you know l- learning about this concept of like special accommodations you know you're a unique individual there's certain unique experiences that you've had that make you react to the world differently than me that may you know and if you can articulate them that's even better and you can be like here are my triggers here are the things that bother me here are the things that are gonna give me a good day here are things gonna give me a bad day this is what my social battery can do this is how many people Mm -hmm. i can be around you know 
these are the type of movies I can watch, whatever, you know, that's, that's being yeah. completely self-aware and articulating it. And very often when people can't articulate those and it's really about the other person discovering it, that's what we often call red flags. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is a red flag. This person, this, this, this person does that. Um, and then we have to set standards and be like, okay, well, I want someone who is X, Y, Z or what, what have you. So I think what we have to realize is we're already working towards wanting to be seen and accepted. So we have to abandon this idea of perfect. And again, perfect comes because we live in a society that needs to sell us stuff. Yeah. And we need to feel like we're not adequate as we are. So we have these ideas of enoughness and worthiness. And, you know, somebody laughing at us means we're not good enough. But the question yeah. is good enough for what, you know, love doesn't require, uh, you know, it doesn't have a, a bar that you have to meet yeah. to experience it. Um, and again, this does, this is so evident and apparent in all our other relationships outside the romantic ones. And I think often um, it's because as adults, we don't have kind of the support and the nudging that we had as kids to develop relationships um, because we were put in front of each other. You know, whoever's sitting beside you in class ended up being your best friend. Like mm -hmm. it became one of those situations where as adults, like, well, I have, I have standards now, or I have expectations of who people need to be. And, and these expectations are to make my life easier. And, you know, it, it becomes a whole different challenge. So perfect is the enemy of love because perfect doesn't exist, but also chasing perfection uh, denies what love is, which is the embracing of imperfection and going easy on ourselves. And I think that's extremely important. And in the book, I, I reference, you know, a video of Beyonce falling off stage and, and, and making mistakes and saying, look, watch the video. Like, you know, we view her as a goddess. Watch the video of her being human. And it's going to make you love her more. Right. You watch her be vulnerable. You will love her more. You won't love her any less. Like, oh, wait a minute. She's actually <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> you know, and um, that I think is really important because that's letting down these walls. And also, I think the important thing to understand, too, is, yes, you people can use your vulnerabilities against you. People have used your vulnerabilities against you. It is possible to be vulnerable um, and not let it be so intense. You know, vulnerability yeah. isn't zero and 100. You yeah. know, I can I can be vulnerable. And, and my therapist had me uh, create or not create. Well, you know, establish two stories of vulnerability that I can share with a stranger. At a street light, I could share with a stranger at a party. Um, that wouldn't scare them away, you know. And I have a story about, you know, losing my first dog and avoiding having dogs after that and getting my new puppy and enjoying having the new puppy. And then all of a sudden taking my puppy to the vet and for the first time and seeing the metal table that triggered my memories of putting mm -hmm. my last dog to sleep. And you know, it's 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 That's a why I don't have a dog story. right now. Ugh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a challenge, but See, me telling you that story instantly allows you to be vulnerable with me. And, you know, you're expressing a fear with that. Now we're being vulnerable together. Now we're establishing a much deeper connection than we would versus having a superficial conversation. Like, so what do you do? Yeah. How yeah. are things going? You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can be vulnerable and establish uh, pathways of love between each other. Um, and it don't, doesn't have to be my deepest, darkest secrets yeah. on day one. And I yeah. think that's the important thing, which is vulnerability. Yes, someone can harm you with vulnerability, but if you took that story and used it to hurt me, like then you know you're a, you're, you're operating at such a low frequency that I wouldn't want to be around you anyways. <laughs> yeah, red you know? flag. So, yeah, that's <laughs> above and beyond. So I think from that standpoint, it's like recognizing that look, 
don't be scared to be vulnerable. Just realize that vulner- there's levels to vulnerability and mm-hmm. you don't have to reveal it all. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to be TMI. It doesn't need to be giving somebody your life story the first day you meet them. Um, and that might mean having coffee instead of drinks, you know? So, yeah. You know, that could be as, as simple as it is. But you want to establish that now versus creating the illusion of who you are. Mm-hmm. And then trying to figure out how to slowly let that go yeah it's like the emotional catfish the emotional catfish but i think also please realize that there's nothing wrong with anybody for pulling all these catfishes because we are in such a society that rewards it you know we're in a society now like i'm i'm in i'm in hollywood right now and what i realized is and i've been coming out here regularly since 2014 instagram is turning everywhere into hollywood you know, yeah. Hollywood, everything is for display purposes only. Everybody prioritizes being likable. So people will say yes to you when they mean no. And mm-hmm. they actually do mean no. So they'll say, you know, hey, let's get lunch. Yeah, sure. And then you don't hear from them again. Yeah. Um. So everything is for display purposes. And, you know, it's fine. It's the entertainment industry. It's what this this place is built for. You know, I can't hold it. You know, it was like this before I got here. It'll be like yeah. this after I leave. <laughs> But I realize Instagram is creating that everywhere. Everything's for display purposes. We're going to that brunch spot to take that picture of mm-hmm. our, you know, that little heart shape in our coffee and yeah. a little croissant. You know, we're going to the beach to take that picture of our of our knees with the book on top. You know, I have I have endless photos of people taking pictures of my book mm-hmm. on their on lap. Hot dog legs. <laughs> hot dog legs on the beach. And it's like yeah. it's 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 a shot, you know, and I have yeah. an entire that's part of it. And I and I've mentioned it in the book. And had people message me saying, oh, my God, I was taking this picture. And then you talked about <laughs> me taking this picture in the book. And I was like, yeah, we it, there's almost a template of what we can show and what we can. Um, and that's really pulling on a biological kind of uh, emotion that we have around acceptance. You know, we, mm-hmm. we grew up in smaller societies and we needed people to accept us to survive. And um being a people pleaser actually mattered back then. You know, yeah. you're in a village survival. of 100 people. Yeah, survival. Yeah. Being a people pleaser doesn't, is not survival anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost the opposite. And it, what we're doing now is we're choosing being likable over uh, accessing love and keeping everybody else happy instead of ourselves. And that chips away at who we are. So it's really important to just just be aware of it. I don't think you can overcome it. I think the big thing that I I, I constantly want to remind those listening is, we're identifying problems and we're identifying parts of our software that, that aren't going away. Yeah. You know, you, you get a new phone and it has a calculator app in there. You can't delete the app. The app stays, <laughs> you know, you, you know, but at least, you know, it's there. At least, you know, yeah. And that's step yeah. number one, be aware that it's there. So our, our paranoia, our needs to be accepted, all of these things that are really pre-programmed into us, you know, <clears throat> they're being exploited by, these companies who have all the money in the world and have hired the smartest people in the planet to pull on our heartstrings to do that. Yeah. You know, they, the I millisecond. Mean, think about how the apps work, like the yeah. apps, the, the dating apps themselves work. Like it's yeah. to keep us going, looking for that approval, the validation, the, you know. Yeah. 1000%. And it's also like the, the millisecond delay of the upload, like that's done on purpose uh to to delay the gratification just enough for anticipation like mm. it's very intentional and they know what they're doing and it's just about being mindful that there's nothing wrong with you for feeling like that but instead just being like okay well i have to i can't overcome this this is you know this is a salty potato chip this is addicting um 
all I can do is not have it in my world and recognize how it impacts me. How do mm -hmm. I feel when I'm scrolling? And yeah, it's cool that I saw a cute puppy video or I learned about the history of Turkey in a video or something like that. But 90% of the time, I'm just, it's just making me feel lower about myself. And it's also signaling to me that I have to be something that I'm probably not to gain social currency, which is just yeah. likes and, and comments. And that's, that in itself is a whole issue. Yeah. So this is, I love this topic because it's so important. And even the most aware of us still fall privy to um, that kind of like, what you mean? The scroll, the comparison. So-and-so's got it this way. Look how beautiful their love life is. I wish I had that, whatever. And you don't know the ins and outs of what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking earlier about the red flags and like, we're looking for perfection in another person, at least with, in my experience, and then other people that I have uh, coached or talked to or whatever, like we're looking for that perfection as a safety net like mm. for ourselves. Like if I can, if I can see that this person is perfect, then I can't get hurt. Or if they check all my boxes, they make this amount of money. They look this way. They fit this. They, my friends and family like them, whatever the artificial requirements that sometimes that we have, we don't necessarily look deep within ourselves and say, is that an authentic feel? You said something that was so in alignment with something I say all the time. And we talk about manifesting a partner, like, like, and not necessarily in the woo-woo sense, but also in the just very physical sense of like what it looks like. We attribute a lot of these characteristics to what we think would be the perfect mate for us when in fact, it's not the, the characteristic itself. It's what the characteristic makes us feel. So yeah. like, I want them to make six figures. Well, what, why? Like, what, yeah. how does that make you feel? It makes me feel like I'm secure or I'm taken care of or something like that. Um, I want this person to, you know, look like this or look, I want them. I always ask it's my, gotta be my, six, three. I, I was just going to say that. I was <laughs> just going to say like, why do you want them to be that height? So I like, we had a, we had a big workshop about that once. And it was like yeah. the idea that society, that women shouldn't take up space physically. And it's like, Oh, because I want to feel small. And that's almost ingrained. I don't know if it's societal or like, um, you know, chicken for the egg kind of thing, but either way it's, it is something that's like, why do we need to feel small? Why should we mm. feel small? You know what I mean? Like maybe I want, maybe I want to feel equal, you know, like we started questioning some yeah. of those things of why are we conditioned to yeah. ask for these particular things if we don't actually know what they're making us feel. Yeah. Can you speak on that? Yeah, I think, as I said, I think it really is about the shovel to go deeper is just the question why. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want them to be six three. Why? why? <laughs> so uh, I can feel safe. And it's like, why? You know, and, then, and there's a funny video on Instagram about, you know, a guy who's six speaking to a girl because she's like, you're not six, three, so I wouldn't date you. And, you know, and he started hitting her with the whys. And he's like, well, you can't keep me safe. And he's like, I can't keep you safe from what? She's like, well, well you know, what if, you know, five guys attack us? And, she, and he goes, okay, so you think a guy who has three inches more, three inches on height on me can fight five guys and I can't? And her replies is like, well, maybe he knows karate. Okay. <laughs> and <it was> like, <laughs> Well, then maybe the karate is more important than the 6'3", right? And but, you need to go to a dojo if that's what you need. Yeah, go to a dojo and then you can get a guy who's 5'4". And yeah. he'll keep you safe from five guys. And then also, yeah, and then also ask you, how often is that happening? And why are right. we in these situations for five guys? And it's, it's really funny when I first moved to L.A., the first friend I made, and this is, I moved to L.A. October 2022. And the first friend I made was this, was this female from West Philadelphia. And it's really important to say that. Yeah. And West she Philadelphia, kept, born and raised. Exactly. <laughs> and she kept referring to how 
she hated and she was a, a she's an extremely attractive individual and she models and she kept talking about how she needs her guy to be able to just punch anybody in the face that like disrespects her and her just her, her version of disrespect is like looking at her so she so because she's what you know even though she's a model she's from west philadelphia yeah. and then i just remember her just being like he's just gotta like, i need him to fight for me all the time because i'm not fighting alone so and it was just this energy and i remember then the will smith thing happened i was like oh it all makes sense it all makes sense like west philadelphia. oh like, my god yeah I didn't- yeah west philadelphia <laughs> love letter like i literally texted her as soon as i'm like it all makes sense she goes that's how west philly treats their wow. women and it was just but it's really interesting because it was like I was like, how often is this happening that you your boyfriend has to fight off groups of guys? She goes, more often than you think, but it's because she pops off. Yeah. If a guy looks at her, she'll be like, what the fuck are you looking? And then obviously, you know, yeah. then her boyfriend, yeah, he needs to be six, seven with <laughs> arms for that. But I think at least she she's, she's kind of gone through it. But I just remember when the Will Smith thing happened, it instantly made me be like, oh, I completely understand West Philadelphia in one moment because this mm-hmm. is all you've been talking about for six months. <laughs> But I think that why is super important because you start to realize that even women, you know, this this concept, and, and I, had, I hadn't heard of it, and, and thank you for sharing that, like, you know, women uh, being signaled that they need to feel small and, and not, you know, I, I think a lot about that as a child of an immigrant, which is uh, this additional level of conscientiousness, which is mm-hmm. this isn't, this, this isn't home, this isn't yours, you know, and yeah. I, and I view it as a pro and a con because mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm. I'm the guy who, you know, if if you let me crash on your couch, my my goal is to make it seem like I'm not even there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like invisible and I sleep on the couch and then I make it pristine and then I just, you know, stand in the corner and avoid everything. It's cleaner I, than when I got here. <laughs> it's cleaner than when I got here. You won't even realize I'm here. And then your 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 refrigerator is full of groceries. You didn't ask for it because I just don't want to feel like a mooch and I don't want to be guilty. Mm-hmm. And and there's a guilt associated with that. And yeah, there's positive things that come from it, but it's still inspired by guilt. Right. And um. And I think what I'm realizing is with a lot of, you know, as I said, for 10,000 years, we grew up in these smaller communities and roles were designed for men and women to make that machine work. Hmm. The roles were not equal. They were not fair, but they existed for long enough that the machine got really good at working. And now what's happening is we've maintained those roles, even though we live, we're, we exist in a different machine, mm-hmm. you know, and not only that, there is an evolution because, um, especially with you know t- to be a woman to be a woman of color the one thing you can confidently say is you don't have good old days mm. oh let's take a second for that one because that just i might like i felt my stomach drop <laughs> yeah yeah i know what to, you mean yeah to be a part of any any community that's identified as marginalized your best days are, are tomorrow mm-hmm. and with that it's going to come a a transitional period um and that transitional period isn't an overnight thing right you know so you're always you know so you know even me as a, as a date out here is every single woman has is playing tug of war with the old ways and the new ways mm-hmm. you know so there's i want to be able to start my own business and not have my guy tell me what to do and have an opinion but in bed, I want that old school toxic mm. alpha masculine energy. And I'm trying to, you know, and then sometimes I can't find both. So I'm I'm dating this one guy who supports my dreams and cheating on him with this other guy who would be totally bad for me in any <laughs> other capacity. But it's like, 
it's but it's it's because there's a transition happening and then maybe yeah. in two generations we'll we'll find you know we'll, we'll find a harmony when it comes to that yeah. and i think just recognizing that being like it's hard because things are changing it's hard because for ten thousand years nothing changed right. there weren't advancements in our societies we weren't expanding we weren't growing now yeah. like you know 200 years ago they weren't there weren't you know we're still we're still applying traditions from 200 years ago and these people had no idea what wi-fi was what phone was. <laughs> yeah. but, you know and, and and i make reference in the book about that like stop romanticizing your grandparents relationship like they stuck together because they probably spent two hours a day together they weren't constantly messaging every every yeah. single moment updating their day grandpa wasn't looking at you know girls on instagram grandma or the internet feeling, or the internet yeah just the <laughs> it's internet just in the general internet. Yeah. yeah grandma didn't feel the pressure of owning a birkin bag and having a guy <laughs> that's gonna get her to buy it. like you know it's just all these traditions and signals that are being taught to us through you know media uh social media specifically and internet specifically not realizing that these aren't natural occurrences this mm -hmm. isn't a natural wave of how humans are becoming so when we talk about society society is an engine that is has one religion buy shit be happy and mm -hmm. everything is designed for you to buy shit and think it's going to make you happy and then when it doesn't make you happy you're like i must maybe i need to buy more shit yeah you know yeah and so when we talk about societal pressures societal pressures is that that's really society's pressure which is they need you to be a part of this economy because if all of us meditated and looked inwards and were super healthy like, we wouldn't buy shit would, we wouldn't buy but the world would actually crash it mm -hmm. would actually crash. No economy. No economy. And we wouldn't have, quite, you know, we wouldn't have nice parks to walk around. We wouldn't have all the stuff that we have. So at the end I of the day. I used to say like, uh, loving yourself is an act of rebellion. Because if you like really love yourself, at least as women, if we're not buying into the BBLs and the makeups and the eyebrows and the lashes and all that business or whatever, like we are literally rebelling against a system that is is asking us to consume to tell us that we're not enough. Yeah. Yeah. You talk a lot about worthiness and not enoughness yes. and how it it impends with love. Uh, you have a quote that says, um, sometimes we don't actually want love. We want attention. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. As, as it, there, to me, so the analogy, I, I love using the New York analogy, which is this is all Canal Street love. You know, you <laughs> get, you know. if y'all don't know what Canal Street is, there's a, a lot of fake shit being sold on that street yeah so if you yeah if you yeah so i used if you to live want, there i know <laughs> yeah and, and, and it's funny because it was i i had done a pod i had i was in new york two weeks ago doing a podcast and, and the offices for the podcast was right on canal street yeah. and, it, and, and it's so interesting because it's just groups and they're all selling the exact same things mm. and none of them seem to be working like they're all standing there and they'll have all these like louis vuitton bags on the floor yeah. none of them are even speaking to you to try to get you to buy stuff they're all just socializing with each other but it's really interesting because it's like I think they know their target audience, which is probably somebody who's going to buy that bag for a picture. Yeah. You know, you buy that bag, take a picture of it. No one's real or not. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it, it might look like a Louis, you know, it might, you know, from far away, give the impression of a Louis, but it's not it doesn't have a craftsmanship. It doesn't feel like it. And it's the same thing with love. So attention isn't love attention is that canal street love attention mm -hmm. is more delicious than it is nutritious love is peace attention doesn't bring you peace um attention might calm you down 
you know, you're, if you're if you're thirsting for attention, it might calm you down, but temporarily. And the best way to look at it is, you know, attention, affection, adoration, worship, success, power, clout, all of these things that we chase um, either for ourselves or within a partner. Um, all of these things are actually, you know, our medicine for our lack of peace. This is what we're, you know, this is the fast food we're chasing because we don't have the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and again, this stuff generally is, is, isn't things that we're, we're, you know, we do need attention. We do need to be seen, but you know, now it's turned into a metric. Now it mm-hmm. can, you know, you can curate a personality online and make it happen. And it's like, okay, well, I can't get it from taking a picture of me at the park with an ice cream cone. Let me take it, you know, showing my butt in a bikini or let me take it. <laughs> influences a, in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Influences yeah. in the wild. Let me, let me, let me do it beside a Lamb- Lamborghini or let me, you know, Oh, I met J Cole. Let me take it. Let me show this picture of me and J Cole and, and like whatever it is. And then I'll get the attention and the likes and they get to read the comments and people know why I exist now. And, and it's interesting because even, you know, this book dropping this book dropped on december 27th um i i had a, i had a lawyer during the pandemic like right at the beginning of the pandemic say look like keep working you know no one's paying attention to you which is a great thing mm-hmm. keep working you'll be ahead of the game once this ends because the moment this ends you're gonna miss the quiet time that you had so i got this book done during the pandemic but also the pandemic for a lot of public figures and people making moves and doing things was a reset button it was almost like yep. whatever you did in 2019 doesn't matter. Whatever momentum uh, yeah. you had in 2019 doesn't matter. This, you know, this was a, a great reset and nobody yeah. cares about anything that you did. Yep. What have you done recently? And there's been a whole crop of people who have popped off because of the pandemic. Right. So now they're in I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. I was a photographer but- and then that just got cut out. So here we are. Yeah. So you, you adapted and adjusted. But yep. I think what ended up happening was, you know, so for someone like me, what ended up happening was, you know, I it, the pandemic was there for me, which was a gift because it put me in a situation where I could just work yeah. um, and, and, and work on writing a book, which I would have never gotten done if, if the world was open. I would have been I would have been outside way too much. <laughs> but then, you know, the book releasing and now I'm going on all the podcasts. I'm doing Jay Shetty. I'm doing The Breakfast Club this is exposing me to an audience beyond my community, you right. know, and, and, and I'm grateful my, for my community, but the audience beyond my community is much larger. So now I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment of like hyper relevance. I'm having, you know, and, and I knew that when I started like getting replies to my DMS from people I messaged like four years ago, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, and I'm not talking about like women, I'm talking about just even guys in the game and, and stuff like that. Cause they probably saw my interview or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and y- you could see the snowball effect of it but this time i was able to kind of like observe it from a step back like i Mm -hmm. wasn't in it i wasn't like oh my god i matter oh my Mm -hmm. god i'm relevant oh my god i'm popping people love me yeah people love me it was like oh i'm this is my moment and also because of the almighty algorithms these moments don't last as long anymore so it's like i'm on the jay shetty podcast and then jay takes a clip from that podcast and he throws it on his page and it's getting like six million views and it's killing it and everyone's everyone's reaching out to me that I haven't heard from in a long time because it's, it's getting, you know, even though they follow me, they don't look at my stuff no more. And it's getting, it's putting me in a whole new world and realizing that, Oh, and there are people that are absolutely devoting their lives to maintaining this moment. 
mm-hmm. this white hot moment. And I think, you know, maybe 20 years ago in music, that was five to six years for a music artist who yeah. was like white hot. They had their moment and then they kind of faded away. Now I think it goes in months. It actually mm-hmm. goes in months. Someone goes viral and then something happens, whatever. So for me, it was like be able to look at it and be like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't need this for my self-worth. But if I was 10 years younger, I probably would have, mm-hmm. you know, for me now it's like, oh, I need this so I can sell some books and let's sell some books. And if you sell some books, then I, I'll be put in a position to write another Buy book. his book. <laughs> Buy my book, please. Because <laughs> then I can write more books. Right. And I think just observing that, realizing, okay, I'm getting attention, but this attention isn't going to be forever because, you know, as I said, there will be another episode of the, the Breakfast Club the next morning. There will be another, you know, Brilliant Idiots podcast the next week. There'll be another Jay The The episode after my Jay Shetty episode was Kevin Hart. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like something's going to suck out the oxygen anyways. And and you and trying to exist on this totem pole and trying to figure out where you are is just going to be com- discombobulating. So attention isn't love. Love is the people who don't care either way. You know, love is the Connection. family members of minds. Yeah, that don't even have Instagram and don't know what's going on. Love is me running into my friend's manager yesterday who told me she's taking a three-month break off social media, didn't know I released a book, found out, and me this morning waking up to her sending five emails, making introductions to people who can help. Aw. You know, that's and love. this is, that's, that's <laughs> real love. In this industry, love. that's real love. <laughs> that's real love. That's her, yeah, her running into me at a dinner party yesterday, giving me a big hug, saying, give me the updates. I'm not on social media. I'm like, yeah, I released a book. I've been doing this. Oh, you need to meet so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm like, all right, I'm going to email you tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Not even, I, I said, I go, I'll email you tomorrow to, to remind you. And I woke up this morning to see the responsible adult and the emails were already there. <laughs> and being like, that's actual love. Yeah. That's somebody who cares about me, who has no fun. She's not my manager. She makes no money off me. She has no stake in the outcome other than, you know, just wanting to see me win. And I think for me, that's more important than having you know yeah cool people recognize me on the street and be like oh i saw you on the breakfast club or i saw you on whatever but at the end of the day it's like that is what I, that's nutritious there's mm. a nutrition to that love versus the deliciousness of you know it might be a little bit easier to get some female attention because i did some big shows um and i how think, do you think that, that oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say how do you think that for a, lot, for a lot of people who are feeling that loneliness, they're looking for that attention and to be validated. They're on the apps, they're dating, they're trying to do whatever they can to find that love. But because of the loneliness they feel, they end up settling for attention. Yeah, I, I think just the first step is the awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, again, like if you're hungry, you know, it's easy. Like, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm driving down the street and I'm really hungry and, and I catch myself doing it all, all the time, I don't. On 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 like maps, I don't search food. I search drive through, mm. right? What's near me? <laughs> what's what's near me, but also drive through. I yeah. don't even want to get out of the car. <laughs> so so by and, and again, I don't even. What is the healthiest food in this country that allows for a drive? Like it doesn't exist. You no, know, it's yeah. going to it's going to be bad. <laughs> and so I, I think about it from that context, which is look, I'm choosing easy, cheap, and convenient. I mean. Uh, fast cheap and, and easy i'm choosing mm-hmm. over healthy and nutritious mm-hmm. because the healthiness is going to be probably going into a salad bar walking in placing an order waiting for them to make my food and then eating it there versus 
Taco Bell, give me a burrito and, and, and let's keep <laughs> it moving. And I think it's the same thing for that, that hunger. Loneliness is like that hunger. So it's like you have that hunger and you have a nutritious option, which is a learn how to address your loneliness internally because it's an internal feeling mm. or B try to try to outsource the antidote to this loneliness with somebody. Yeah. And again, like loneliness isn't being alone. Lonely, you know, you can feel there's a Nas lyric that that hit me under my ribs, which was um, worse than being alone is wishing that you were. Mm, yeah you know and it's we sometimes people make us feel lonely you know we've all been lonely in crowded rooms we've all been in relationships that have made us feel super isolated um loneliness is the punishment of being by yourself solitude is the reward Mm. you know and we all crave solitude so it's not being alone um and realizing that when we do we you know we take dating apps again which are not designed to to establish vulnerability and deep connections it's designed to put a best foot forward it's not necessarily it's going to be that fast food it's that drive-through yeah you're going to get a meal you're going to get something delicious um and then you're going to be really hungry moving forward very quickly so i think it's really about when people feel that the answer is internal so in the book i have i have a chapter about a girl i have I'm, so all my i have three big sections in the book which are love for self love for others um and um love for everything else and the sections are, are are bookended with love stories and all my love stories are like non-conventional love stories and there's a story about a girl who i really really fell for because she really saw me and what i realized is she saw everybody so it wasn't i wasn't special she just knew <laughs> how to, he saw everybody and she saw everybody at a price she was like a like an ultimate empath and it was mm. it'd be super draining for her to be around people and you know and she was amazing at establishing boundaries, which is obviously frustrating for anybody who's not getting their way. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd be like, hey, let's let's meet up. OK, well, I can't meet up with you for the next two weeks. These are all the things I got going on. Hey, let's get on a call. OK, cool. We'll get on a call next week. And it's just super frustrating because they kept establishing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Finally get on the phone. And I, and I said, I'm like, don't you ever get lonely? You know, like the way you're acting is you're going to be alone forever. You know, I'm being a jerk. I'm being selfish at this point. And she goes, I do get lonely. And I'm like, what are you going to do about it? And she goes, I dance. Mm -hmm. She goes, I close my curtains and I dance. And I feel my body and I feel myself and I feel way less lonely Mm because I'm connected to myself. And it was just this moment of just like, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I was being a dick and she just. (laughs) Yeah, I was being a dick and you're just being right. And. I appreciate that you're right, but this is still not serving me <laughs> and what I want. I'm not getting anything out of this right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I should probably start dancing by myself more, too. So and I think <laughs> it's just realizing that, like, loneliness is, is, is an internal challenge mm-hmm. with an internal solution. And yeah. again, like, the divorce rates in this country are ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, ridiculously high. So please don't think, you know, other people are better off yeah right now the numbers the numbers aren't in in their favor either and again i think it's because you know it's 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 an old school way of living in a new world that hasn't been addressed you know the type of life that we live um is post you know industrial age so we're talking 18 we're not even at 200 years of this 
you know and no and we're in a place where now we have a more equal footing like we don't have to de- like at least as a woman we don't have to depend on men for like the life that we want or need to have we can provide for ourselves so we're not stuck in relationships if we don't want to be there um i'm divorced like have been divorced and remarried and uh like being married at 26 like again like raised up in the culture that has a lot of um this is how you post this is what looks glamorous this is what's cool and uh i ended up in a relationship with someone who was very heavily narcissistic abusive and feeling like my bed my my bed was made like mm. i made this decision i have to stay i knew in the first year that this was not going to be sustainable but mm. i stayed for four more years because like i was raised christian and like there's this whole thing about morale and suffering and all that kind of stuff and it's like oh well, i'm doing for the cause and bleh, all of that um how convenient how convenient, how convenient is that, right is that like messaging you have to that's suffer. a part of the story yeah. that you have to suffer and so yeah. that being ingrained in me from like birth um i stayed in something that was really really tumultuous and traumatic and so like what's what's interesting about that though is like you said something that i thought was really interesting you're talking about doing hard things um an easy day at the gym isn't a good day mm-hmm. i like that quote um and like an easy day like a, a day that's easy wasn't a good life or two. I don't remember how you said I'm butchering it right now, but um, how do we apply, first of all, give us context about what you meant by that, but how do we apply that principle in our life? But does it also apply to relationships? Because I know that for myself, and I wanted to ask you this specifically, that like I was in that relationship suffering, thinking mm-hmm. that this is the version of, this is love, like me choosing this person, even though they're imperfect, but they're, they were more than imperfect. They were abusive. Um, but being in that, like, kind of like, you know, you can't see it, right? Like yeah. being blinded by it. You can't see it. You don't know what it is. So here I am suffering, thinking that I'm doing what's noble by my partner, by accepting them in their imperfections while at the same time suffering mercilessly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really appreciate that question because I think so often, you know, sometimes even when I, when I say some of the things, um, when I was a teacher, you know, you, 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 you make a statement like that. And then the kids would always be like, but what if, and I was like, yeah. there's an endless <laughs> amount of what if questions. Don't ask me the what if questions. <laughs> and, and the internet does the same thing. And sometimes people, they don't do it because they actually have a legit question. They just do it because, um, they want to get noticed in the comments with their, with mm-hmm. their, what if question. And, um, it wasn't until another friend of mine, uh, Matthew Hussey, and I went on his podcast, you know, he hit me with all the what ifs and he was like, <laughs> He goes, these aren't me. This is my audience. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hit you with the what if. But I feel like what you asked me right now is, is a really important what if question. So I think the, the distinction needs to be made between voluntarily putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation um, and having to endure an uncomfortable situation that's n- now involuntary. So when I say an easy day at the gym isn't a good day at the gym, that means you didn't work hard enough and you're probably not going to see any progress. But at the same time, you know, if you're doing a certain workout and it doesn't feel right, you have the option to stop, mm-hmm. put the stuff away, go home. There's the, you know, you can stop. I do ice baths. I sit in, you know, freezing cold water. I have, I'm in do and I'm not, and, but I am voluntarily getting in. I can, at any moment I can get out, mm-hmm. you know, when we talking about a, an unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship of any capacity, that voluntariness isn't there. It's more right. like, oh, I signed up for this. I have to stick with it. I have to do whatever. And I think that's a really important distinction to make, which is yeah. voluntarily put yourself in challenging situations because it will build your resilience. I voluntarily will, you know, I have a I have a friend right now 
Um, and I don't know how this friendship developed, but, uh, you know, they are the most, uh, I don't know how to, how to, how to frame this to be polite. <laughs> um, you know, they, they, they are, they are of the Breitbart, you know, variety. The what? Breitbart, like Fox News is not right wing enough for them. They Got are, it. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they, they are, they are uh, Northern European and they make, you know, all the comments they make are just and they'll always yeah their 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 algorithm is very different than mine right politically mm-hmm. uh, but we we had developed a friendship on you know geography and common loves for food and uh hiking before any of this was revealed <laughs> i find being around them so entertaining mm. because there is a mutual respect and um we disagree on so many things, but it's so much entertainment to speak to them and hear their perspective and hear where it comes from. Um, and every now and then it makes sense. And most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time it's based off some crazy thing they saw on Facebook or whatever. <laughs> I voluntarily dive into that. I don't have to endure them. I don't have to mm-hmm. be around them if I don't want to be around them. It's a voluntary experience. And I think that's where that's the difference. I think putting ourselves in situations where we're trapped is very different Um, whereas um, what I'm speaking about is voluntarily put yourself in challenging situations because that's going to unlock a better version of you and you know this because when challenging situations find you the only way to survive them is to unlock a better version of you everybody Mm -hmm. you know comes you know let's say you were broken up with that was an uncomfortable situation you didn't sign up for it now you're in it the only way to survive it is to unlock a, a deeper uh, more potential version of you mm-hmm. so i think for me you know and, and i and i appreciate that question because to make that distinction is really important and it's to say look we tell ourselves that and again i've done the same thing we've all done the same thing which is like no like i can't hold it against this person for being that the way that they were they were xyz and it's like cool yeah. yeah i know you know it's like a lot of pedophiles were abused as kids too that doesn't change the fact that they're pedophiles now right you know? and yeah having context is different than having empathy or or validating their behavior right. and it's like okay i understand why this person might be a narcissist they they had a, a shitty upbringing cool i get it but stay over there you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like that's that's the thing because your relationship with yourself has to be paramount and priority and that means establishing your boundaries having standards um and i think that's the other thing that's important in these relationships is don't have expectations of the other person have standards for yourself mm. and you know and that's been my mantra say it again say it again i feel like don't don't yeah. really hold this in <laughs> don't have expectations of other people just have standards for yourself yes and again the last six months i've ended two friendships and both friendships i had to end i said listen i'm not asking you to change i'm just letting you know this is what my bar is to invest in people and you're not these aren't things that i think are important to you and that's cool and you got a whole gang of other people that you could be around that also I'm not trying to be around. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't hate you. You're not my enemy. I don't wish anything bad to happen to you, but I can't invest in this anymore mm-hmm. because your pattern of behavior is not up to the standards. And the only reason I have these standards is because other people in my life have reminded me of that these standards are important. And the only people that don't have to live up to these standards are the people that I share blood with because they're great people. And if they're going through a hard time, I, I'm going to be there for them regardless because we already have decades together of no drama and <laughs> they, they they earned it. 
Yeah. And if they need me, and, and if, even if they're slashing their own tires, I'm going to s- help them change it. You yeah. know, they get that. But for all you new people, like I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't start that. You know, you know, and even even with some people you share blood with, I have a family member that um, very well may be estranged at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's just like patterns of behavior, things that I've felt like I've had to endure and like having my history of abuse and things like that. It's just like, nope, that's, that's a standard for me. Like this is a line for me now. And I think that a lot of people who are listening, especially when we're talking about love if people are in a place where they're in a scarcity mindset or they're feeling desperate or lonely and they don't have that connection with themselves, they're more likely to submit or settle or stay and endure a relationship that's really unhealthy for them, as opposed to then being alone, thinking that 1000%. being alone is worse than being in a situation that's really toxic, traumatic, abusive, um, or even just not up to your standard. Yeah, no, 1000%. One, 1, and, and what I'm talking about, I'm talking about people that like, my entire life has been nothing but pleasant and wonderful. Yeah. And within the last two years, they've they're going through something and they're yeah. going through something and and now they're not making the best choices and they're not using the best substances. And even then they're 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 not making the right choice nothing, but at the same time, you know You get to make that choice. Yeah, I get to make that choice. And also their 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 spirit and their energy hasn't changed. Yeah. You know, like they're not calling, you know, and, and, and there's a chapter in the book about loving people from afar. Like mm-hmm. if you have that person that you love, but you know, whatever money you lend them, you're never getting back right. and you don't want to be around. You don't have to pick up their phone. You can love them from afar. Yeah. yeah. What I'm speaking about is like legitimately, like I have friends that I've known since I was four years old. Have, wow. Yeah. And we've had, we have, yeah, I, I have a few of those and we've never had a conflict, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now, you know, we're, we're much, much, much older. And, you know, one of them reveals to me that his wife's not talking to him no more. And he reveals to me like, yo, I'm. I'm drinking every night to put up with this. Mm. And yo, I, you know, and so that's somebody that I'm going to call up on every day. Yeah. And again, he's not getting drunk and swearing at me. He's not getting drunk and doing, he's just, he's being completely honest and saying, look, this is how I'm coping with this. And I'm saying like, that's bro, love. like, yeah. And I'm like, look, like, and having the conversation, like, look, man, like call me every day if you need to, because the fact that you're not telling people about this is probably why you're turning to the bottle as well. And again, having decades on decades with this person, and always having open communication with them and being like, okay, he is somebody I need to be there for versus this new friend I met in LA eight months ago who, you know, waited three months to let me know that they're, they're in a whole bunch of trouble and, you know, and, and, and that's a whole different story. And again, yeah. I do have the choice. And if that becomes something I can endure, then it, 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 it won't be something I'll endure. Um, and as I said, that's gotta be your choice. It's gotta yeah. be a choice for an exit. And, 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 pra- and I think, you know, there, there should be, especially in our society or, or, or in our traditions, a level of, of, of celebration and acknowledgement for people who get out of relationships. Yeah. You know, it's congratulations you got engaged. It should be congratulations you broke up. Yeah. <laughs> it really when, should be. Listen, when I got divorced, like they're, oh, like, I'm sorry. It's like, you should be congratulating me. I got mm-hmm. out of something. I'm so happy. Thank you. Like, you know, uh, I was very short of just throwing a party for myself because the feet it, it wasn't it of itself for those of us who are like people pleasers I'm firstborn child like mm-hmm. it's like oh I just gotta make sure everybody likes me and you talk actually a lot about that which I like as well um but there was this this fear of like upsetting someone displeasing yeah. someone someone I'm hurting someone in some way even though they've hurt me like again that conscientiousness that you talked about like I don't I don't want I would be invisible let me be small let me not make an imprint that upsets someone or make waves and needing to make the biggest wave and yeah. to, to choose myself. 
and that being like a huge fucking deal because it was like oh like this is what self-love is (laughs) like Mm, myself like so yeah Let's talk about that just a little bit uh, before we go, because I think that ultimately those people who are feeling lonely, like those of us who have been in relationships know that you can feel just as lonely in a partnership. So Mm. how crucial is it for us that we have the awareness and the self-love for ourselves, not necessarily before we get into a relationship, because some people don't have that awakening before then, but why is that so important for us to maintain our relationships? So, I mean, the most important relationship we have is with ourselves, um, and it will, no matter what, dictate the quality of relationships we have with other people. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think, and I agree with you. It's not a, you know, before you get in a relationship, do this. Um, I did have a quote in a, in, a, in a previous book, that was a little bit more harsh, which said, which I said, you don't have any business um, chasing love from others if you don't have love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I still kind of stick by that, and I think you know it it's a self-correcting situation. Whereas if you don't establish a healthy relationship with yourself, then the unhe- that healthy unhealthiness will project itself into the relationship you're in. And that probably won't work. And then you'll have to go through this process of, of rebuilding yourself and loving yourself. Um, the recipe for loving yourself is no different than the recipe for loving somebody else, which is vulnerability and intimacy. And, you know, vulnerability for yourself is journal, you know, go deep talk about yeah. things keep asking why you know don't just say um i don't like being embarrassed say i don't like being embarrassed why because mm-hmm. i don't want people laughing at me why because then i'm going to feel like i'm not enough why because when people get laughed at you know just keep going and just keep yeah. writing and go deep with yourself prayer i think prayer is really important irrespective of your religious beliefs when you pray you're asking for what you actually want mm-hmm. you know when you pray you say thank you for what you're actually thankful for that's going to help you get to know yourself what actually matters. Um, you know, I had a, a a challenge where I needed a lawyer and I was grateful I could afford the lawyer. So I was thankful for my money. I wouldn't say that out loud generally, but I was thankful I could afford a lawyer. Um, dance, you know, being intimate with yourself, feeling your body. You can hug yourself. It's called self-havening. You know, mm-hmm. I think these things are all really important. Establishing this, establishing this relationship with you is also, it, it, it feeds self-awareness, uh, picking up on your patterns. Um, you are dramatically in a better situation when you can articulate how you may be difficult to be around. Mm. You know, and there's a chapter in the book where I go through my list of how I'm difficult to be around, and you know my biases and all that. And and I and I do want to take this this moment to also point out like that I'm I'm in a situation just because I wrote this book. I'm not a love guru. I'm not a, an expert at love. I'm I am a guy who has put in his ten thousand hours putting words together through through rap through spoken word through, through writing books um and i went and took a deep dive and did as much research as possible and this book is this book is me being at the front of the class taking taking really good notes yeah. that's what this book is so i'm i'm very self-aware and still make all the all the mistakes i have standards for dating that get thrown out the window if her face <laughs> is symmetrical enough you know what i mean like <laughs> And I'm in Los Angeles, so it's like, you know, yeah. so uh, yeah, so awesome. Like, oh, yeah, like she looks like Naomi Campbell, and she, she doesn't live up to any other standards. But she is so hard <laughs> to stop looking at her. I'm gonna overlook everything, and then legitimately, you know, within a week, all these conflicts arise because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, pretty it's doesn't solve any standard. problems. Yeah, and again, I'm and I'm 
and I'm also aware that I'm going against my own standards. Yeah, yeah. And but at least so you have the, the awareness to choose. Like exactly. some people don't aren't aware. They don't know how to articulate their standards or like even know themselves enough to know what to ask for. And yeah. so if you don't know yourself well enough to know what to ask for, you don't know yourself well enough to know what to look for. Yeah. And that's and that's that journey. And also mm-hmm. it, it it saves me from self-pity. Mm-hmm. So whereas, you know, a a one night stand might be a, a fast food version of a of, of connection, yeah. self-pity is fast food version of self-connection, connecting mm-hmm. with yourself. Yeah. Um and again, don't feel bad about yourself if you do catch yourself in self-pity because that is being weaponized against us um especially from a political front everybody is teaching us to feel sorry for ourselves not and we don't recognize that there's no power in feeling sorry for ourselves um i don't have power when i identify myself as a marginalized individual i have power when i recognize myself as a privileged individual and help those who don't have my privilege you know, I'm a visible minority. I could tell you all the sad stories about going to the airport that other people can't relate to. Or mm-hmm. I could tell you a story that I'm a straight man and all the privileges I have and now speak on behalf of people who don't speak mm-hmm. on behalf of how I can walk outside and, and not feel un- unsafe. But a woman can't let yeah. me use my privilege to speak on her behalf. Mm-hmm. And all of us are in that position where we are part of marginalized communities and we do get the short end of the stick in one or two capacities. But we also are privileged. We have working legs we can climb upstairs let's use that uh, to advocate for wheelchair ramps for people who Mm. can't you know let's do that because power exists where we can take responsibility power doesn't exist when we when we feel sorry for ourselves but it's addictive to feel sorry Mm. for ourselves Mm. and as i said it's being weaponized against us every community and you know kendrick said it you know uh which community thinks they're the only ones relevant you know, where mm-hmm. the hypocrites at. And it's really important because <laughs> you start to see that now, especially online, where every single group feels like I just saw one with doctors. You know, I know. Like doc- well, yeah. Doctors like, not feeling appreciated enough. And it's like, yeah, there is somebody online that's going to identify with your group that's going to make you feel, allow you to make, feel more sorry for yourself. And it's not that the gripes aren't legitimate, it's just that there's no power in it, there's no empowerment in it. And the empowerment exists in the responsibility and you don't have to be at fault to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. So the analogy I use is if somebody rear ends my car, it wasn't my fault. I did nothing wrong. Still my responsibility to address the situation now. I got to get insurance. Get insurance. <laughs> yeah. Go to the auto body shop, get the paint, whatever it is. That's all my responsibility. Yeah. Feeling sorry yeah. for myself will not help in that. In any, yeah. It's not my fault. That doesn't matter. It's so hard. Like you bring up such an interesting point. And actually, we're going to continue this in the after show because like this is a, this is like a, a little bit off topic, but I mm. love the topic to talk about it because uh, especially with minority issues and things like that, like yeah. I, I noticed like, for instance, I was talking to my partner, he has ADHD and I was like, there's all this new content coming up about neurodivergence and stuff like that. Yeah. My stepson is uh, autism ASD. And so we know plenty about that. And I was like, what are all these memes coming up that are saying this and this, and do you identify with this or do you not identify with this? And, and then an, like a, a narrative that was coming along that was like, things are so hard for me because I have X, Y, Z yeah. and which I totally game. Like I'm also yeah. neurodivergent. I'm dyslexic. So like, yeah. there's that, but, um, the, the way that it's being talked about on TikTok and things like that, or what we can talk about any, anything, it could be yeah. doctors, neurodivergence, black issues, like all the things. Yeah. 
And what you're saying is powerful because in that, in like, if we're, you know, we're on the topic of love here, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm single and I can't have it. Like nobody will date me because of X. Like here's the self-pity that we, yeah, in a way like are, it's important to have acknowledgement and it's important to have awareness and it's important to, to hold responsibility. And at the same time, like we are all privileged in some way. Like yeah. we all have something, you know, like the fact that we have internet to talk and have this conversation. Yeah. Like I feel incredibly privileged to talk to you today. Um, like I had no idea. Like I, I went through the the gamut of the research. I saw you when you came across my email and I was like, I like this guy's vibe. Like, yeah, cool. We'll have him on the show. No idea it. who you are or anything yeah. like that. Then went through the gamut and I was like, wait a minute, he's been on Jay Shetty's show. He's been on here, he's been on there, like he's coming on my show. Okay. Um <laughs> So incredibly privileged to like just hear your wisdom that you have. So before we go, is there anything that I haven't asked that you want to leave on the table for our audience with regards to love that they just absolutely have to hear? Yeah, I think the most important thing we can do is prioritize our self-respect over our self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You know, self-esteem is what other people think of us. Self-respect is how we what we think of us. And um the way I view it is when you have one, you don't, you know, you don't need as much as the other. Yeah. And um, the thing with self-esteem is it's, again, it's, there's no nutrition in it. So you're constantly chasing it. Self-respect is, is developed internally. And, and the best way to do it is to voluntarily put yourself in difficult situations. You know, you, you respect yourself when you overcome adversity, um, voluntarily put yourself in adversity be in new situations, uh, be in uncomfortable situations. As I said, like me hanging out with people who don't, I don't align with politically, you know, and going in knowing that and and having the energy and, and the patience to to try to have a conversation to under and, and, and speaking to understand and, and doing all of that. I feel, I feel more self-respect that I can do that versus just uh, relying on staying in my echo chambers and just being, I was just, oh my God, it's like, like reading yeah. my mind. I was going to say echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But in social media <laughs> has created those echo chambers. Right. So we're just around people that all think the same things and, 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 and there isn't, and there isn't growth from that. So I think this just, this is a really important thing. And then also, as I said, with this, with this victimization back to self-love, what you're going to do in your journey of self-awareness is you're going to begin to identify the root causes of why you may be messed up. We're all messed up, but why we're messed up, we're going to find out the root causes and that's going to take you back to childhood. Yeah. And what I want to say is again, resist the temptation of being a victim resist the temptation not because you're not a victim but because there's no empowerment there so when you start to identify gaps in your upbringing and we all have gaps in our upbringing realize that at this point as an adult you can fill in those gaps you can become that nurturing parent for yourself i have a friend who grew up in the streets whose you know mother had challenges with addiction you know he has you know, figured himself out and he, he's a, he's a, a well-earning adult now. He recently took his inner child to the dollar store and said, let's go, let's go on a shopping spree, whatever you want. That's <laughs> something he probably dreamed of as a kid when they were on the streets, just wanting to go to the dollar store and get it, get some chocolate bars and some toys. And he took his inner child there now, mm-hmm. you know, and he just told me he spent the whole day with his inner child and, you know, he's a healthy dude and he got sick eating all these chocolate bars and Cheetos and, <laughs> you know, but it was just, it was it was him not resenting his mother mm. and saying, you messed me up. He's like, okay, now I can do this. This is what I wish that I had as a kid. I can do that. You can do that for yourself as a parent. You yeah. can do that for yourself as a best friend. You can be your own best friend. So let's resist the urges of saying none of my friends are there for me the way I'm there for them. My parents really messed me up. No, take it deeper. 
your friends aren't there for you the way you are for them okay be there for you the way that you are for them yeah you know your parents again and i think especially with the parents like we were we didn't know we were raised by imperfect beings right and there's gaps no matter what yeah. you know I'm, I'm a child of an immigrant uh an immigrant household again they they thought the priority was food on the table put mm. food on they didn't know about you know emotional intelligence they didn't know yeah. about being there doing all of that they're just like feed feed him and I, and I and i did pretty well just having a bedtime and, and, and a meal on the table so i can't go back and be like you guys messed me up because yeah. xyz and, and again through therapy all i do is to hear my parents voices yeah. but i can fill those gaps in now and i can be that parent so i think Again, the, the reason we were bringing up this topic of self-pity and victimhood is once you start to recognize these root causes and issues, don't let them turn you into a victim. Find empowerment in them by taking responsibility to rectify them. Mm-hmm. And I think that will also increase your self-respect. And the more self-respect you have, the more, you know, the stronger you become as a pillar. So now when you do, you know, get into the world and if you're searching for a partner, um, you're not looking for a better half. Yeah. You're not looking for someone to complete you. Yeah. What you're going to look for is another pillar. And mm-hmm. that pillar is going to be of the same standards that you are. And two pillars can hold up way more than one. Ooh. And now you can, you know, build and create something larger than yourself. You know, whether that's a family, whether that's a village, whether that's a tribe. And I think that's the important thing to look at. And also realize that, you know, and this is a Khalil Gibran idea. So please don't give me credit for this, but like the mm-hmm. further away the pillars are the more it holds up, hmm. but, you know, when you have a healthy distance from your partner, you, you yeah. allow more, more to flow between you, but also, you know, you also are able to hold up more. And I think that's a really important idea and abandon, abandon this. You know, I think it's so, I, I was at a coffee shop yesterday in LA and had a big sign that said, you are enough. Let's abandon this, this measurement of enoughness towards people there i can cut off your fingers and you're still enough there's no enoughness to a person there's no worthiness to a person there is no qualifications for love if the love that you desire requires qualifications and that love is whack Mm. you know it doesn't and again i I get this especially with western theology um because a lot of people in western theology believe in this judgmental god yeah. Looks down on them. And I'm gonna say if your judge if your God is busy judging you, that ain't a God worth worshiping. Right, yeah. It's gotta, yeah, you know, <laughs> love, love can love thing. You know, Peter Crone said it. The, the the love that we should crave is the love that will love everything, even the things that we consider unlovable. Mm. You know, and you love people for things that they think are unlovable. Right. You no. Know? And it does it's not a transaction. It's not it's none of these things. And I think it's just really important to recognize that. That just abandon it. Don't tell yourself you're enough. Just be like this enough. You can't measure enoughness. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what it is. Enoughness is for gas tanks and bank accounts. <laughs> you know, that's second not for wave people. is yeah. I am. Yeah, just I am. Yeah, like doesn't have to be enough of anything. Just it, it, I yeah, am. it do, it doesn't you require know, any capacity. I have that on my tattoo here. It says I am right there, and it was oh, just to amazing. remind me like the power that comes behind those words, of like. I, I am, I exist. I'm here. Like it can't be, I love that. And not enough of anything. I just, I just, yeah. Am. And, and as so, I said, like, I feel like this, the new vibe is telling people they're worthy and telling people they're enough. Like they just need to hear it. And it's like, no, this is just, it's a stupid measurement. It's just, mm. it's just let's, let's abandon the whole thing. Because, you know, that's so, it's so interesting. Hold on. We have to cut this off because we have to go to the next thing. Um, But I love this. And we'll talk about it in the after show because 
it, it is the first wave of people understanding like yeah. their self worth and self value but you're right like the mentioning the even mentioning of that we're coming to maybe a higher level of consciousness where we're starting to understand we don't need to be measured by anything we just are and i love that i love that okay yeah this idea of value is the same thing like you're you value is an economic concept yeah yeah it's capitalistic you're so right um okay so we're gonna go to the after show um can you tell people where they can find you and where they can buy your book yes so here's the book how to be loved um it's beautiful beautiful cover made by ruben rojas who if you ever spend time in la especially santa monica venice you'll see love scroll oh, everywhere yeah. yes oh okay i've seen that in new yeah. york yeah he has it in new yeah. york and he has it outside of a few uh football stadiums around the country mm-hmm. he also has it outside he has a giant 50 foot statue outside of a hospital in north carolina um and then also you'll find him at like the you know you'll find all of his art at the w hotel in in beverly hills like he's he's spreading love everywhere he's actually <laughs> spreading love and it's amazing and <laughs> i connected with him and he did the cover for the book and, and shout out to him for that the book is available everywhere books are sold amazon uh if you're in canada indigo barnes and noble if you're in the uk waterstones um and if you can't find the book you can go to humblethepoet.com slash love and then you should find a link that'll find you the book um and i'm at humble the poet everywhere on all the social medias and Perfect. uh yeah, and it won't be hard see. to find them. Yeah, it won't, it, <laughs> it won't be hard in, to find them. Humble the poet. You'll find a bunch of stuff. You'll so, find, yeah. you guys, if you like this episode, please send it to someone you love. We're about to go to our after show. So, if you want to hear that, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Alia. We will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.